With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Yakuza. Yakuza. Yakuza Kick Radio. 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 The Yakuza Kick Radio. This is the bulldozer, Matt Tremont. And if there's one place to listen to on the internet every Thursday, 9 p.m., Yakuza Kick Radio, Tremont says so. Who wants some? God help us, Jesus! God and baby, Jesus! Help us. Ladies and gentlemen of fucking America, this is Danny Havoc, and you have been listening to, or possibly are intending to listen to, the Yakuza Kick fucking radio. Fucking, yeah, Yakuza Kick radio. Hell fucking yeah! My name is Justice Payne, and you are listening to Yakuza Kick radio. You're coming to come on Thursday night, this is a brotherhood, and we all stick together. Like my nuts. I ain't scared of you, motherfucker. Yakuza Kick Radio, the best in internet wrestling radio, period, bar none, just like Adam Cole. Everybody's a cunt but me in the world. I don't know what it is. But you go to the back, and you tell your boss that there's a new Yakuza in town. And it's Yakuza Kick Radio, and we're taking over. Yakuza Kick Radio has risen from the ashes of bad internet radio and become the premier place for any independent professional wrestler to stop and record their voice. Well, this is Mr. Insanity Toby Fine, and if you're not listening to Yakuza Kick Radio, then you're weird. Oh, I don't like the cut of your jib, fella. This is Greg Excellent, Spirited Dragon of the Northeast. You're listening to Yakuza Kick Radio. If you're not, probably watching porn. He had this muted. You should be listening to it. Jason Mann. Where are Biggie and Tupac? Yakuza Kick Radio. Give a nigga rope on that cowboy, guys. All you have to do is listen to Yakuza Kick Radio, but you didn't. Now look at that doc, you homie. Fuck that. Black me. Bullshit, man. Motherfucker. Fuck you. Fuck you and fuck you. Who's next? And now, ladies and gentlemen, for the introduction. Hosted by J. Cat Morris. You are now listening to Yakuza Kick Radio. It is Wednesday, April 22nd, 2015. Welcome to Yakuza Kick Radio. I'm your host, Jake Cat Morris. Um, got some things to talk about tonight. Ah, not not a tremendous amount of particularly wrestling, but a lot of wrestling-related topics, I'll put it that way. Um, first things first, I am um, fresh off of my Spartan Beast race that um, you know I've been training for. And, um, yeah, that's definitely the first thing I want to talk about. Um, it was a 13-mile race on a mountain, um, 13 miles and change, actually. 
Um, which, I mean, if you ever run 13 miles, that's a long fucking distance. Um, if you put it on a mountain, it's probably closer to 20 miles. Um, up uphills, just no joke. And the downhills are pretty brutal, too. Um, a lot of rocks, a lot of, you know, um, you, know you, you end up doing a lot more walking uphill than you do running because it's just grueling. I mean, you're you're all the way up a mountain, you know, and then all the way back down. So occasionally you would get, at least in the beginning of it, they were a little bit easier because you'd get, like, go all the way up, and then coming down was, like, a, a little bit of a relief. By, you know, mid to end of the race, coming down is just as brutal because you got to, you know, control your speed and, uh, you know, hit it a certain way. So anyway... Um, going into it, this is the biggest race I've ever done. I've done Tough Mudder twice. I did the Super Spartan last year. Um, I did six races last year, so I've done a bunch of different things, um, Battle Frog and a bunch of different things. But um, Spartan race last year, the Super Spartan, which is about nine miles, this is 13, um, is, is one of the most, overall challenging races that you'll ever do um because i mean there's a difference between all these things tough mutter i mean they they're tough you know no pun intended or whatever but they're really like mud obsessed you know they got that mutter thing in there so they really throw you in the fucking mud for no reason like a ton like they they kind of overdo it with the mud it's it's pretty ridiculous and especially when you get towards these these colder temperatures like i did it in october and that race fucking sucked. It was, you know, 50-something degrees and raining the whole time. And they just keep throwing you in the mud and the water, mud and the water. And it's, you know, it's it's pretty fucking excessive. So, you know, like I said, I've done it a bunch of, you know, twice now. Um, hoping to be able to do it in, in November. I'm really playing it by ear by that because uh, I hate the cold temperatures. And if we're really talking about, like, a disgustingly low temperature, I, I can't imagine. That's, you know they're going to throw you in the fucking water over and over. And uh, Tough Mudder's, I think, about 10 miles, 11 miles, something like that. So it's, it's a long fucking race. Um, but Spartan race, the thing about it is um, everywhere I've seen them hosted is always on mountains. And so you have that as your number one obstacle is, is the mountain. Besides that, they incorporate a lot of upper body stuff, a lot of lifting stuff, a lot of carrying stuff. Um, more so than the other races. Um, the most notable to me is a fun little uh, task they have you do where you have like a Home Depot bucket, you know, like full, um, I guess that's a five-gallon bucket, I want to say. And um, you have to fill it to the brim. The handles are all off. There's no handles on the thing. Um, you have to fill it to the brim with rocks. There's a whole big bin of rocks. Fill it to the brim with rocks and then more or less just hold it, you know, scoop under it and hold it, you know, close to you and walk. I would say, I want to say it was probably about a quarter mile if you combined all the way up the mountain that they have you going and all the way down. Um, I could be off on the distances because, you know, I'm not measuring distance, but it was a long fucking way up the hill and then a long fucking way back down where you came from. Um, where you'd get like, you know, a hundred or 200 feet, you'd put the bucket down, you'd sit on it, you know, or, you know, just charge up a little bit, pick it back up, you know, walk another hundred feet or so. Um, 
Yeah, it's absolutely brutal um, because, you know, the weight you're going uphill with. And, I mean, that's, you know, halfway through the race. You've already gone, you know, um, probably at least six miles or something before you're even doing that. So, yeah, it's it's definitely a brutal, brutal task. And um, they tell you if you don't get – if, you know, you spill rocks out of that bucket, if the the rocks aren't up to the top and you get back down there, you got to do it over. So, um, you know, and I'm not about doing anything twice. So, you know, I, I'm going to be on point with that shit. So that's, you know, I, that was part of it. Um, they have you carry an Atlas stone, which the Atlas stone isn't that far. And honestly, that's not that hard at all. It's a hundred pound Atlas stone. So you got to pick it up, walk it across, which really isn't that far. Um, and it's flat ground too. So, I mean, you know, generally pretty easy. Um, walk it across to a flag, put it down, um, do five burpees, and then um, pick it back up. Picking it up is the hardest part. You know, once you get her up, it, you know, it's no big issue. And then, um, you know, walk it back over and put it down. Um, you know, a bunch of different things. They got you carrying um, like a sandbag for a while, you know, up and down the hill and, you know, around the trail. And, um you know, a bunch of different things like that. So they add a they add a lot more upper body stuff than a lot of the other races. Some of the races will have you carry like one thing, something like that. Um actually Battlefront did a couple too, but um but yeah, Spartan really, you know, gives you a bunch of different things to do. Um one of the things uh I was obviously very, very happy about is we probably got the warmest day of the year. Um, right on the day of my race, you know, it was like 77, 80 degrees, something like that, um, which I couldn't have been happier with because <clears throat> one of my biggest things I hate the most is cold temperatures. So when it comes down to I'm doing a 13-mile mountain race, please let it be fucking warm because I, I'll take the scorching heat any day over, you know, the cold. And then, you, you know, you're getting wet and you got to just, just keep going. It fucking freezes your muscles up. You know, I mean, it just... It really gives you a lot of problems. But um, I couldn't have been happier with the temperature. So, you know, and funny enough, because, uh, you know, a lot of these mountains, including the one I did it on, which was in Vernon, New Jersey, was a ski lodge. You know, a lot of the other times of the year, that, that's what it is, the ski lodge. So in uh, different portions of that mountain, there's snow on that mountain still. It's 80 degrees outside, and there's still snow on that mountain on, you know, different parts of the the climb, you know, hill climbs that you got to go up covered in snow. Um, so it was pretty interesting, you know, because uh, you know, we we had a pretty continued winter season this year, and that just means more money for them. They keep that mountain covered in snow and people coming in and skiing and all that shit. So, um, you know, that equaled some snow to uh, go across for me too. So pretty interesting that was the first race i've done with snow on a mountain so um there was that so we got there um yeah everything was good like i said uh great weather um went did the warm-ups which uh the guy who's doing the warm-ups they have you doing some different things um they have you do like an ape crawl it's like uh you know you go down like squat position put your hands on the ground and then you know pop to the right you know, a couple times and pop to the left. That's that's the ape. 
um, and, you know, and do some a little bit of, you know, free squats and side lunges and shit to try to, you know, loosen up your body and get you ready. And that dude looked like the uh, the dickhead brother from Step Brothers, dude Derek. He looked just like that dude. But, um, yeah, so you got all ready and all that. And um, just got going. And, uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, it was a tough race. I did really well. I um, placed 443rd out of 2,484. So, shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> Pretty goddamn good. Uh, I, I was really happy with that. You know, I'm not a type of dude that's going to wind up in the top 10 of these things anytime soon. Whatever you consider a good time, you feel really good and you busted your ass out there, there's a dude out there that does this shit in half the time that you've done it. Like, they... This took me five and a half hours, this race. There's people who do it in two and change. <laughs> like, there's getting a little faster and doing a little better. There's, you know, uh, especially at my age, there's not like, okay, now cut your time in half. Like, ooh, there's not cutting a couple hours off of your time. These people are, you know, a different type of animal. But either way you look at it, I, um, I did it faster than about 2,000 people, 2,000 plus. So I'm I'm very happy with myself, you know, this is what I fucking drained for. So um it's a couple of different things too during the race. Um you'll always see and that's the thing too, um this is why um and this is gonna be a weird podcast, it's gonna have a lot of different emotions, happy and then uh later on a little bit uh more fired up, uh positive, negative, all that type of thing. So this is why and it's gonna sidetrack for a minute but uh i had decided to do i'm gonna probably next week will be my first one possibly sunday or, or you know coming soon after that i'm gonna start doing like a motivational podcast uh, not this one of course this one will be the same it is as it always was but i'm gonna do like a, a side podcast on random days it's not gonna have a specific day and it's not gonna be every week i'm gonna try to put together like a half hour 40 minutes top, something like that, of just, you know, different things that I, uh, that I use mentally, you know, my mind state and, um, just a different mind state to have. And, um, some, some shit that might help for motivation. I don't know if it'll help anybody. If nothing else, it's going to help me just repeating shit that I know. Because a lot of times if I just remind myself, sometimes I'll be telling somebody else something, they're asking me questions about this and that. And I'll start, you know, explaining this is how I do this or this is how I think going into this and this and this. And it kind of, um, you know, reinstalls those theories and, and keeps it fresh in my mind to the point where I know, you know, where I'm at in this. And, you know, I see a lot of different people that they they stay in such a negative, defeated mindset. There is absolutely no way that their day is going to go well. Whatever they're trying to accomplish is beat. There's no way they're accomplishing that shit because they pretty much beat themselves. The most important thing that you can train is your mind, you know. Uh, you get your mind focused and put yourself in the right mind frame, all that other training is going to come pretty easily. And, and not easily because all your training should be very, very difficult. You should have to put yourself through something to do any type of training and stuff like that. If you want to make progress, you're going to have to put yourself through something. But you have to have that mindset. You have to have that focus and be able to make good out of uh or or 
derive strength from negative things that happen to you in life. You know what I mean? So I'm going to get a little bit more into that on, like I said, just like a half-hour podcast, or, you know, that type of thing. Just random, might be twice a month, might be once a month. I'm not sure yet, but um, so that that's coming up. But anyway, um, like I'm saying, I'm training my ass off for these things. You know what I mean? I'm coming in 443rd out of, you know, 2,484. However, you'll see people doing this race, and this is why, you know, I'm telling you, a lot of this shit is mental. Well, I wish I could do something like that. There's no reason you can't. Absolutely no reason you can't. I saw, um, now I've seen these guys before. I don't know if it's the same guys, but they do this shit. um, And seeing these guys, they, they have a friend that's in a wheelchair. Well, they do this race with their friend. And the obstacles where they got to carry him over some mud or through some water, they carry him. The other guys carry the wheelchair. So, you know what I mean? Like, shit like that. These guys go out of their way to take their friends through this fucking race. Now, you know, I have a little bit of missed feelings on that. Obviously, the the friends are beasts because they're carrying this dude and the wheelchair and all this. But, you know, this dude can't climb a rope. He can't, you know, he's not climbing his goddamn mountain. He's more or less taking a ride for most of it. But his friends are beasts for taking him through that shit. You know what I mean? So I give them a ton of credit for what they're doing there. Um, another one who I give even more credit is um, there was, you know, this group of girls, and their one friend has brittle bone disease. Some, I'm sure there's more technical terms to it. But her bones are pretty much like glass. Her whole body, her bones are pretty much like glass, man. She, you know, she trips and and hits her knee on the ground, her fucking leg shattering. You know, that's the type of shit we're talking about. Dual canes, like the dual walking canes where, you know, she's she's got some shits wrapped around her wrists and, uh, you know, walking like that. And this is her sixth race she was doing. Uh, this is her first beast that she's ever done. But um, she went in and did this shit. She traveled 13 miles on the mountain doing, I guess, you know, whatever obstacles that she could and fucking beating this shit. I mean, this is this is what I mean. There's people who, who get an injury or get um, a disability in life or, or just have something happen to them, and they're done. They're fucking finished. That's it. They're fucking their, – their day, their week, their month, their, their year, their life is, is over as far as they're concerned because they've defeated themselves, and they said, well, this is going to hold me back, and this is it. You see people like this that drag themselves through – the race because they got something that they're trying to prove to whoever it is, prove to themselves, prove to others. They're not done accomplishing shit. And, you know, shit like that is very, very inspirational. And I, um, I've been blessed enough to, you know, get through what I've got through as far as, you know, my, uh, my alcohol addiction and stuff and, and turn myself 180 and turn myself into an athlete, a full blown motherfucking athlete. And a lot of the things that I see, you know, going through, and and I've had people call me an inspiration, which to me is just extremely humbling because I never in a million years thought that I'd be viewed that way, especially when, you know, I mean, if you would have asked me, I'm almost two years sober now, right? Um, So if you would have asked me a full two years ago, you know, where at the time I was still drinking, um, 
man, you, you're going to go out there and you're going to do a 13-mile mountain fucking obstacle race. I just told you, get the fuck out of my face. You crazy as shit. I'm not going 13 miles on a bike and a car. You know, you better take me fucking 13 miles up the road to the liquor store because I don't, you know, it's not that far away. I'm just using it as an example. But there is nothing you could have said that would have convinced me that I was going to get into this type of shit, that I was going to, you know, um, want to put myself through that type of shit physically. But, you know, you set yourself to something, and then it's curtains. There's nothing that can stop it. Your biggest obstacle is yourself. I mean, it always has been, always will be. That's it. Nobody could change what the fuck you want to do with your life. And you, you could allow other people to dictate your progress by being negative because they're negative or or what have you. I mean, there's a lot of things that you can allow to take you down. And the biggest thing is yourself. So, um, you know, you see a lot of the examples like that doing these races and shit. And it's, you know, it's crazy. Um, so I almost broke my toe on this motherfucker. <laughs> I, uh, they had these big diesel ass logs, like straight up logs from a tree. They're they're long. They were probably probably seven foot, something like that, six or seven foot, and um, big thick logs. And this was probably about halfway through the race, so I think I overestimated or underestimated these logs. I went, I grabbed a really big one. You had to flip them end over end uh, four times, two times one way, turn around, flip it two times the other way. So. I went, I grabbed a big-ass log, I got it almost vertical, and dropped it, and hit my motherfucking toe. And luckily, I didn't get a direct hit on that shit, because I would have shattered my foot, like, on some real shit. It's bruised, but I can move it, I can put weight on it, all that, but I even during the race, because it hurt like a motherfucker, and I'm like, well, I'm not going to know whether this is broken until probably tomorrow or later on tonight, because my adrenaline's going. And, um, yeah, I'm just fucking going with it. So, um, yeah, I ended up still flipping the log or whatever, but, um, you know, I wasn't ready for it that first time, I guess. And, uh, yeah, I almost broke my fucking toe on that shit. That was scary. So, um, also during this race sometime, I didn't get to see it. I wish I did, but, um, I guess there was a bear that somebody saw on the mountain cause, there's a picture with a bear running across a trail and you could see runners in the background, maybe, you know, 50 feet up, something like that. And the bears running across the trail. Um, so yeah, there's, there's definitely animals out there. Um, and my girl, cause she was, you know, taking pictures and stuff, waiting for me at certain obstacles, trying to take pictures. And I had her holding, um, my water pack, you know, they had those camelbacks and I had her holding that. Cause initially I was like, all right, you know, this is the longer race that I've ever done. I'm going to get one of those camelback things. And I got one, and just putting it on, like, in the house and shit and jumping around a little bit, I'm like, I hate this thing. I don't want to carry a fucking thing on my back. Fuck, fuck this shit. So then I was like, all right, you hold on to it, and then if I see you at random times during the race, I'll have extra water breaks. And then I put a bunch of um, supplement-type things in, in there, too. And if you're ever doing one of these races, a long one, um, I would even recommend it if you're doing like long, long runs. Like if you're going for like 10 plus mile runs or whatever, pick up a couple of these joints. We got them. Um, I'm sure you can get them a lot of places. I got them when I was at uh, Dick's Sporting Goods and shit, getting the, the Camelback. Uh, they have them. They're like a couple of different companies make them, but they're kind of like little gel packs, and um, they're they're loaded up with fucking carbs and sodium. 
and potassium and shit like that. You get some that have caffeine in them, some that don't. Most of the ones that I got didn't have caffeine in them. And then there's also, like, gummies that you could get, same deal. Sodium, um, carbs, potassium, all that stuff. And um, some of them have caffeine, some of them don't. I only grabbed, like, two that had caffeine in them because I wasn't going to, you know, overload on caffeine, have myself feeling like shit on the mountain because then you're fucked. Um, so most of the ones I had didn't have it, and they were so beneficial, man. My my legs started to, you know, really feel like they were going to get crampy and shit, and this was pretty early in the race. Banged out one of those packages, one of those little gel packs, fucking legs felt fantastic. I mean, the shit, shit works for real. You know, you keep yourself hydrated, but on top of that, if you're loading up with these little fucking carb sodium packs, bam, fucking right on track. And um, so I had her hold the nose, and if I seen her, I'd throw a couple of them in my pocket, so I had them for the next couple of miles. I didn't want to throw too much in my pockets because I never knew what kind of water we were going to cross, and it would, you know, put whatever in my pocket pretty much be. So, um, but anyway, she's sitting there at the one obstacle waiting for me. All of a sudden, she <laughs> looks over, there's a green and black snake. <laughs> Just scared the shit out of her with that. But, um, but yeah, it, it was a great race. Um and uh, I just, you know, I really enjoyed it. Uh, during the, the race, that's the other thing with Spartan Race, man. You don't just fail an obstacle and move on. You fail an obstacle, you do 30 burpees. So this this uh, this particular race, I did 95 burpees. Um, the one with the Atlas Stone, like I said, you got to bring it to the flag, put it down, do five burpees. Uh, pick it up, bring it back. So those five burpees is, I mean, there's no fail in that obstacle. It was just, uh, you know, was what it was. Um, the one I failed on was um, they had it, you know, kind of like a monkey bars or um, like rings, but it wasn't rings or monkey bars. It was you had this like pipe that was hanging, so you had to shimmy across this pipe with your hands, you know, hanging. And uh, your feet couldn't touch the ground. And then you had to go from that pipe to ropes that were hanging. And higher on the ropes, there was like a loop. Lower on the rope, there was a knot. Uh, I got across the pipe, grabbed the first knot up top, or the first loop up top. And then when I went to reach and grab the next one, I grabbed too low and grabbed the knot. So when I went to you know, go for the next one, I was already too low on my feet touched the ground. So that was 30 burpees there. Um, what was one of the other ones? Oh, um, there was like these posts. And normally I'm really good at that shit with the balance and stuff. But for whatever reason, I just wasn't that day. And um, it was more or less like, you know, like bulkheads, poles that stick up. You, you had to like hop from one to the next without falling, touching the ground. And then there's like a plank to walk across and then more poles to jump on. And I felt like fucking really early in that. Just lost my balance and 30 burpees there. Um, and then they had, um, they have like a, a wall that has little, little blocks, like kind of like little pieces of two by four, like little blocks. And they're like attached to this wall and you have to climb, you know, sideways on this wall only holding and stepping on blocks and there's no like top ridge on it. So you can really hook on. You got to just kind of like palm these, these blocks and you have to go all the way across, turn, go across, turn, go across. Normally I've never fell off one of the, 
I've never fallen off one of these walls until this one. And again, really quick, my foot slipped and uh, fell off. So that was another 30 burpees. Um, there was another thing. I fucking hate burpees too. Um, especially amongst these races, when you're going up mountains and traveling all these miles, the last thing you want to do is start doing fucking sets of burpees. There was another thing that I was like, man, this is some shit. They had a memory test and they would say, all right, the last two numbers on your, your headband, there's a big chart. Take the last two numbers on your headband, look at the chart. It'll match up with something there and it'll say like a word and then uh, seven numbers. And you had to remember that word and seven numbers like fucking six miles later. And they have a, a dude ask you, and if you didn't know it, burpees. So, um, and, I, and I nailed that shit. I fucking, it was, I think I can remember it now, too. It was Tango 521. Five four oh nine because I just like I made something out of the numbers to figure it out, you know, so I wouldn't forget it. So I knew if I said it in my head and it didn't sound right, it would line up with something. You know what I mean? So I was able to do that. I was happy as fuck because that would have been another thirty burpees, like way late in the race too. So, um, but yeah, overall great race, man. It was uh it was long as fuck, and um fucking pulled it off uh, very very happy with it so that's that um next up is the spartan sprint which is in the the end of may and it's going to make this one look like fucking um i mean uh, the spartan sprint will be child's play compared to this one i'm doing the spartan trifecta which is the sprint the super and the beast i did the super last year but i gotta do it again this year to do the trifecta the beast is the biggest of the group. So it knocked out the first one, the biggest one first, which, you know, was fucking scary going in, especially having a whole off season and then jumping into the biggest race to start the season of eight races. But, um, yeah, the, the biggest one's behind me now. And, uh, just, just going forward. I'm very excited for all these races, but, um, so yeah, that's that. I, um, I think I'm going to take a break, come back, uh, talk, some wrestling stuff and uh yeah hit some of that up all right let me see i got a couple tracks here let me see motherfucker i gotta scroll way down here all right let me check this out dj k slay the drama king every now and then you got to step up and rearrange the way things being done the industry purge Papoose, trick, trick, let's go, ride on my own, reside on my throne, vibing alone, bottomless poems come out of my dome, ride with the chrome, barking on them, I ain't watching my tone, I'm on that trick, trick shit, they can't fly in my zone, they abandoned the city, cause out of town had some action, now they trying to come back to New York like Phil Jackson, Rappers wanna be singers, singers wanna be rappers I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with these niggas? They moving backwards 
We grew up in them small Brooklyn apartments. Them niggas flow better than us, and we gon' rob them. You son of a bitch, that's what you suffer from. Homie, I'm my father's child. You your mother's son. I could cough up a lung and breathe out the other one. I'm from Bed-Stuy for real. See where I'm coming from? Another lane. Stay out my way. You fucking lame. When it rains, it pours. I clap back when thunder came. Never tuck my chain. Last name, Mac. I tuck them things. Named after my father. My sister got my mother name. David Berkowitz. I murk you, bitch. I come to bang. Man, I fucking blam like son of Sam at Lover's Lane. I'm bloodthirsty. Open my mouth. See bloody fangs. Sleep with one eye open. Met the man when he brung the pain. At the end of the movie, when Arlena's cousin came, I would have clapped back like old dog who run with Kane. Love the game. Big Chester standing man on the track. This is serious. Russell got my first 20, you couldn't tell me shit I'm off and running 2K a day, could barely spare legit Monster with it, mega hustle, you wouldn't believe I hated drama Oatmeal for four days straight, so this one for my mama Couldn't stand to see a tear, first offense facing 20 years With no loyalty amongst my peers, no fear for the system Fuck em. it's all raw So we bailing to the nearest hick town Teenage outlaws Me, Big Sweets, Woods, and Slim hit the interstate Now we got them cowboy ribeyes on our dinner plate Shoot out with the natives Territorial differences Neighborhood dispute campaigning for life sentences Living for the moment Rest in peace to Jonesy Red they demonstrate the click taught me to watch my homies My mama said when they made me They told her to break the mold Them told me to drive them crazy Bruce taught me make them say hi my papa taught me to think before ever making a move If this warden you take it to him, boy, don't ever play with these fools Always ask for your lawyer, never leave him a witness Everything on your shit list should be dismissed from your system Always protect your sisters, never make murder senseless Make sure you pay your tickets, keep your plug consistent If you ever get a visit from them bitches, be resistant And if you love the game as much as I do, then keep your distance And we continue on, we gonna keep riding out that's the Troy Ave, Doug Lito. Let's go. All right. So I was supposed to go to a wrestling show on Saturday. Now, um, I, I pull mostly positive thoughts from the fact that I am now not going. The one negative and the only reason that I was actually going to go is because Haku is going to be there. Um, this this thing is like in, in a vehicle like two minutes from my house. Like I um, – you know what I mean? Like it's it's I don't think you can have a closer show to my house than, than where this is. But um Haku is gonna be there and I you know, I wanna get a picture with Haku. Um but uh some circumstances happened and uh he's not gonna be there. They replaced him with Tito Santana who um I'm all set with. Um so what happened was I was like, you know, I started to think like, cause this is you know, fucking shindy at, at its finest. And I'm just thinking like, man, what time do I even, do I want to even, I don't want to show up when the bitch starts because fuck man, I'm three, four hours of this shit. I'm just, it's just going to feel brutal. You know what I mean? So I'm thinking to myself, like maybe I show up like halfway through the show Maybe I wound up not even having to pay if, like, they ain't even paying attention anymore or some shit like this because, you know, if I do, I do. I plan on paying to begin with, so it wasn't like I was trying to get out of paying, but, hey, who fucking knows? And, uh, you know, at the very least, I miss half the show that I didn't want to see. So 
So I started thinking that, and I'm like, let me look at the card. Let me see, you know, what's going on. Just really started to dread this shit and, and also think to myself, like, well, I might just walk up there, run up there, you know, put my camera on, you know, put my camera bag around my, my uh, shoulder, fucking jog up there, you know, take me probably a half hour to get there or something like that, if that. And um, because otherwise, if I go and I bring my girl, well, then that's another 20 bucks or 15 bucks to get in. God forbid I bring my kids, man, I'm, I'm going to end up spending fucking all sorts of money just to legit, I mean, just to get an autograph or, you know, a picture with somebody really because nothing about the show was, so now I'm already like committing myself to like, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go solo. I'm going to fucking walk up there. I'm going to see, you know what I mean? So, but I'm like, do I go, you know, halfway through, or probably go like an hour, at least an hour late. So that's like one less hour of bullshit. Um, so I'm like, let me look at this fucking card, you know. And first thing I see on there is, due to unfortunate circumstances, Haku will not be. I'm like, well, <laughs> I'm not going. <laughs> there you go. And, and thank fucking God, man, because uh, here, here's uh, here's what they wrote two days ago. Uh, lighting and set has arrived in New Jersey. What a tremendous day and night Mega Slam will be. Some of the great ones you can look forward to. Let's see, it's a, some of the great ones you can look and look is like, you know, like fucking capitalized L for no reason. Look toward the sides for the legends. That's what that sounds. Uh, singles match: Eric Corvus versus Anarchy. Well, I don't know who the fuck Anarchy is, and I don't want to know who the fuck Eric Corvus is, um, ever. Uh, I don't ever need to see that dude wrestle again. Um, then there's a no DQ tri-state title match. Falls count anywhere. The champion, you know, uh, Dirtbag Dam, that's his name, uh, versus Mike Mazza, Pacifica. Mike Pacifica or some kind of shit. I don't know who the fuck they are either. Uh, but I'm sure Dirtbag Dam is a fantastic wrestler from what it sounds like it. It sounds like, you know, a definite um, show stealer. Uh, the Fat Boys will also uh, be in tag team action, which is always always good to hear. Um, Atomic Dog will also be in action, which I was, you know, wondering what happened to Atomic Dog from the last time I never heard of him. And um, then Kentucky Bread versus Ryan Rumble and a mystery partner. So, I mean, that could be anybody. Um, you you had the champion of this company, Damian Darling, who um, last I saw he tagged with um, Danny Damano in uh, Jersey All Pro, and he looked ridiculous there, like a really super orange tan, really super bleached blonde hair, and really fucking fat. Um, well, he's going to defend his title against Vinny DeMarco. So there's that as well. Um, then there's Brandon the Bull versus King Tech. So there's that. And, I mean, everybody can look forward to that fucking card that's going because it's not going to be me, goddammit. Um, but, yeah, like, they're going to have Tito Santana, I think, um, Greg the Hammer Valentine, 
I think Tony Atlas, the Patriot, you know, things of this nature. Uh, um, not me though. Not me. Um, yeah, fuck, fuck all of that. So, um, dodged a bullet there. Um, on Point Wrestling is doing some pretty good things over there. I, I will definitely give them that. For whatever reason, they seem to only schedule shows on days that I have races. Uh, they did a show this past Saturday, and um, from what I heard, it was another really good show. Um, I believe main evented by Joey Janela versus um, Scott Summers, who um, CCW has not brought back in since. He busted his fucking ass and skull at a tournament of death. And the fans saying, please come back, please come back. And then uh, they just don't book him again. That was a couple of years ago now. So, um, but On Point has brought him back since. I'm trying to think of who he fought before. I want to say Tremont. And, um, you know, this time they brought him in to, to wrestle Joey Janela. And um, the match looked great. Everything I heard was it was fucking awesome, um, you know. Post match, uh, Scott Summers is putting Janela over on the internet, calling the future and all that. So I'm sure they absolutely killed it. Um, after the match, you get some interaction with Nick Gage out there, and then um, you know, forgive me if I got anything wrong as far as how things went down because I wasn't there. And um, Nick Gage is out there, fucking you know, lays out some kind of challenge where it's going to be uh, Scott Summers and Nick Gage in August. So that that's fucking awesome. What a, what a good booking there. Um, besides that, Nate Hatred showed up, and they kind of made like a uh, open challenge for, I believe it's their June June show, and uh, that's the one I, I know I got Battle Frog on this day, so just not going to happen for me, but the hate club reunite Nick and Nate, and uh, they put out an open challenge answered by the hooligans, which is another awesome fucking booking that CCW is dropping the ball on because the CCW fans has continuously wanted to, you know, wanted the hooligans in CCW. I think they'll do very well. Uh, they're a different looking tag team. They do death matches. They do all sorts of shit. Uh, you know, they're a badass tag team. So um, I think that they would work really well. CCW, so does everybody. And DJ, even, you know, I had him on probably was probably at least a year ago now, for Christ's sake. But um, he even said to me that it's all about trans and, you know, it's too expensive to bring them in and they live too far away and it's trans. But Jersey All-Pro doesn't have a problem bringing them in and neither does uh, On Point Wrestling. So, I, I don't know what the reality to that is. I don't know why it's so possible for other people to do and so hard for him to do. But, um, you know, that's that's the uh, the bottom line with that is they're coming in and it's going to be hooligans versus a club, which I think is a really fucking cool matchup to do. So um, that'll be their June show. So check out On Point Wrestling, man. They're doing some shit where, you know, it's a small kind of intimate venue um, you know, put a couple hundred people in there, nothing, you know, tremendous. You can't fit a grand in there, but they pack the building every time. Get a nice fucking loud crowd. 
And, you know, they're booking some stuff that you're not seeing everywhere else. And that's, you know, that's the most important thing is you're getting some pretty innovative matchups. They're not just copy and paste cards that everybody else is doing. Like, hey, you know, um, I think this uh, this Sunday, I think it's this Sunday, they have that Beyond doubleheader. And, um, man, Beyond's booking a lot of good shit too. But, I mean, they got, you know, Chris Dickinson versus Nick Gage. Well, shit, on May 8th, I'm going to uh, JCW. They also have Chris Dickinson versus Nick Gage. I'm fucking hyped for that match. Really fucking hyped for that match. But again, you're getting the same match in two companies, which, I mean, for a match like that, it's not a big deal, but you're not going to look at both companies like the only ones doing it because you're not, you know, within pretty much a week's time, a week and a half. Um, you know, two companies are going to do the same exact thing as far as, you know, a matchup. So, you know, there's a lot of companies that do that. Um, supposedly, uh, Tremont and Stockade tore it down in uh, Beyond, which I'm still kind of skeptical on, because then uh, they copy and pasted that onto the CZW card. And they uh, did not tear it down. Uh, Tremont fucking killed himself, I'll give him that. But uh, Stockade did not so much. Um, he, he tore down. He, he just about tore down his fucking pants during the match. That was about it. Um, so yeah, um, it, it's good to see some different things going on. I think on the the early show because it's a beyond double header. On the early show, they got uh, Kimberly versus uh, Pinky. They got like a double header, and it, it's the first one's kind of themed after Kimberly, and it's called Scorned. And then uh, the uh, the night show is like uh, the Devils. Fucking uh, fuck, I forget. I don't have the card in front of me. Um, something about the Devils playground or the Devils home, or I don't fucking know. You know, more or less saying you know Dickinson's thing where. Uh, his fucking shit, and it's going to be him versus Gage there. And uh, they also have, like, um, Nation of Intoxication coming in, and I think they're wrestling uh, the rest of the um, Team Pazuzu. So that'll be fucking good. But, uh, you know, some good stuff. They they do some innovative stuff over there, too. But, like I'm saying, with On Point, they're definitely uh, stirring up some different things and uh, doing it in a small, you know, intimate crowd intimate crowd and um yeah so definitely check them out um i'm going to take another fucking break and then i'll come back and i'll hit the other big topic that i have to talk about uh because it's going to take me a little while i'll get some breaks in there too but um yeah, this, is, this is a whole different thing so uh let's go with some uh tupac Increase speed, make you motherfuckers bleed from your mouth 
I paid for the um I made the mistake I should say of paying for the uh Nick Gage shoot. I believe they call it Nick Gage on parole or something like that. It was a YouTube rental. Um, while they wait for the DVD and the Blu-ray or whatever else that they're putting out um, to be ready, they put out a YouTube rental, which is like you pay 10 bucks or 11 bucks or whatever it is, something like that. And um, you have to watch it. You have to start watching it within 24 hours. And then once you start watching it, you have like 72 hours with it and then it's gone. So, um, you know, you're pretty much paying $10 to have something for two days or, you know, four days, whatever. Um, so, I mean, it, it's somewhat of a silly concept because, you know, you, you're never even really owning anything. Um, but it is a rental, you know. it's I mean, it doesn't lie to you in, in saying that. So there's nothing, you know, misleading about that. I mean, that's my own deal as far as, if I choose to do that, then that's, you know, that's on me. So I'm not uh, really criticizing the theory of it, but it's, it is kind of silly. Um, now, here, here's the issue. The first issue, number one, you will, you will figure out very soon into this, uh, this video that there are kids screaming and playing and laughing and just having a ball in the background very very audibly through the entire thing the thing is like maybe close to two hours something like that kids are screaming and playing and laughing in the background of nick age talking for the entire thing um if you you know close your eyes and and watch this thing or you know not close your eyes and watch it but close your eyes and listen you would think it was filmed at like a Chuck E. Cheese birthday party um, because it was fucking ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, now, you know, the, the the problems that I had with this shoot, I contacted the dude who put out the shoot, uh, Luke Hadley, and, um, you know, just, just shot him a message like, hey, that was fucking brutal with the kids screaming. He responded to me with, I liked it. I thought it symbolized Gage's freedom in the real world. Okay. So now we're dealing with an artist. Um, I mean, I would assume that symbolizing freedom in the real world can also be portrayed by conducting the interview on a crowded subway car or, um, you know, I mean, there's a lot of different places you can go. Uh, you know, maybe in the middle of a baseball game, or again at the aforementioned uh, Chuck E. Cheese birthday party. You just, you know, take it to one of those. Um, there's a lot of things that you can do to symbolize freedom, but basically, you had an unprofessional setting with kids screaming that you couldn't get to stop. You couldn't find a quiet place to do an interview like everybody else does, and now we're going to turn it into something artistic. If it was artistic, you wouldn't have the camera zooming in and out throughout the whole interview where the focus was in and out, focus was in and out. I don't think that was an artistic decision. But, again, you know, I I don't know. I think it's complete bullshit when it comes down to background noise like that. This fucking guy is playing the most over-the-top tough guy stuff. And, you know, Nick Age is a bad motherfucker. So 
I'm not I'm not saying that, you know, he's not a tough guy or anything like that, but I will say that I don't know if, if the prison got to him. I don't know if, um, you know, he's forgot some of the things that he used to know or something like that, but some of it is really, really fucking over the top. For instance, um, and, and another big issue with this, this, uh, this shoot is it's conducted by Brett Lauderdale, which we will get way more into in, in a minute. Um, but Brett asks things that normal shoot interviewers don't do, and I don't think this is an asset, but goes like, was wife beater tough? And then he goes, yeah, yeah, fucking wife beater's tough. Yeah, he's fucking tough. Was Zandig tough? And Gage goes, eh, shrugs his shoulders, kind of looks at the floor a little bit, shrugs his shoulders again and goes, he was tough in Japan. Fucking really? I I don't give a fuck if what prison you were in. Are we really going to question fucking Zandig's toughness? He was tough in Japan, so really nothing he did in the fucking United States was tough. And, and let me just preface all of this with I'm one of Nick Gage's biggest fans. I, I really, really am. My biggest fucking problem is Lauderdale, which, again, I'm going to get back to. But don't get this fucked up and think that, you know, I'm bashing Gage or I'm fucking saying bad shit about Gage. I'm just saying I think his his um his views on things are a little twisted from when he was last out. Um, he also was asked by fucking Brett, was Zandig ever a father figure, like a father figure? Nope. Absolutely not. That's bullshit. That's absolute bullshit. Because fucking Zandig absolutely took care of those guys, especially guys like day one guys like fucking Gage, like he was fucking, like he was his son. That's fucking absolute garbage to say no. No, absolutely not. You know what I mean? So there's there's a lot of that shit that I just don't buy into, man. I just don't. And, um, you know, fucking love it or hate it, I just, I don't see that shit as necessary. I really don't. To, you know, disparage Zandig and more or less act like, eh, whatever. It's whatever with Zandig. Is it really? Because Nick Gage was CZW personified. He was the CZW guy. I mean, you know, there was nothing that was like, well, maybe he's a Jersey All-Pro guy. Maybe he's a, maybe he's a Ring of Honor guy. Maybe he's, you know... Maybe he's an Ian guy. No, he was very clear-cut a fucking CZW guy. He worked some of those other places, but nobody would make a, a mistake about it that he fucking bled fucking CZW, both literally and figuratively. So, I mean, to turn it around and now do an interview and just be like, eh, you know, Zandig, eh, maybe he's tough. I guess in Japan he was pretty tough. But really, we're talking about John fucking Zandig. Come on, man. Come on. Um, and then again, you know, it goes back to the fucking, uh, the, I mean, he, he was no selling like everything. He was no selling prison. He was no selling everything. Um, they asked, is Pondo tough? Nope. He immediately, nope, Pondo is not tough. So I don't know, Madman Pondo, all the things he's been through over the years, he's, he's not even tough, according to Gage. Um, 
But hey, I mean that's his opinion. He's he's entitled to it. Um here's the other uh you know the big uh this is why Brett Lauderdale is a shit interviewer and I mean whoever you know, Luke Hadley or whatever puts together this shoot interview, there should be questions lined up. If you're going to ask about old school CCW guys and you're going to delve deep into the deathmatch wrestling scene, how do you bring up Wife Beater, Lobo, Rick Blade, Necro Butcher, John Dahmer, the Backseat Boys, Messiah, Chris Cash, Z-Bar, you know, they, they mentioned Zandig, as I said, mentioned Pondo, as I said. Is there any guys missing from that list that you think would um, be a big name that would be mentioned within the deathmatch realm of CZW? Like a fucking Nick Mondo, for instance. Really, like Nick Mondo isn't brought up once in an interview that he is going over and over about how much deathmatch wrestling is to him and how ridiculous, you know, like he's, he's very, very pro deathmatch in this interview and saying that, you know, he loves it. He loves doing his shit. He loves the glass. He loves the, uh, the barbed wire. He loves getting cut up. He loves all that shit. He's all about deathmatch wrestling. He's going to bring deathmatch wrestling back. He's going to make this shit fucking intense again. He's going to really do this and that. And he's really all about deathmatch wrestling. So you think, as a good interviewer, you would follow that with something like, what do you think about like a Nick Mondo who hung it up after so many years in the thing? And again, if you're going to bring up Z-Bar's fucking name out of nowhere for no reason, other than the fact that fucking Brett Lauderdale's friends with the fucking guy, that's the only fucking thing that you can do the connection of. It's the only thing you can do the connection of. Oh, he's friends with the guy. Because other than that, you would bring up Z-Bar, but not fucking sick Nick Mondo as as a question for Gage if, if you're asking him questions about old CZW guys. It just it doesn't make a whole shitload of sense. It just doesn't. But again, he's not a good interviewer. Not at all. Um, also, um, <laughs> one thing I thought was funny, I just had to keep repeating in my head, and, I, and it's going to stick me for a while, it's just like a... Um, just like a, a running joke. Um, not that I see a lot of grain silos, but he was talking about one of the work release things he was doing. And uh, he would say, like, you know, he, he was in there just shoveling feed. He was, like, way up top of those grain silos. Like, I guess you go in there and you climb way the fuck up a ladder, like, all the way up, like, several stories up. And you're just standing in there just shoveling food. And, um, you know, and everything's pretty much in a straight face with Gage. But, he said in a very straight face and fucking tough sentence, he's like, you ever drive by those grain silos? See those grain silos out there? See those things? I'm in there. So now, from now on, if I ever see a fucking grain silo, I'm going to be like, he's in there. He's fucking, he's fucking in there. Um, it, it was just funny to me. But, um, yeah, he he was very um, blunt, short. And I don't, I'm not saying blunt, like, oh, he sure told it like it was. I mean, he said what he wanted to say, but he wasn't very descriptive. Um, he, you know, there wasn't, there wasn't a lot of storytelling or anything like that. Everything was very, um, short answers. And, um, 
you know, uh, he's supposed to do another interview with uh, Rob Feinstein. And um, I don't know, hopefully that one will be done a little bit better. But, um, yeah, it was, I, I don't think it was done well at all. You know, partially, like I said, the production was shit because you had kids screaming in the background throughout the whole thing. You have Gage going, you just fucking fight. Anyone fucks with you, you just fuck them up. And you hear kids just fucking screaming and laughing in the background. So it's a little distracting. You got completely different messages going on there. You know, uh, (laughs) Madman Pondo wasn't tough. (laughs) Fucking kids screaming and hula hooping and shit in the background. It's fucking brutal. Um, And then, like, he's just running through names with, like, zero fucking format. And I could see the little bar on my computer on the YouTube just heading like it's, it shit is gonna end, and I'm like, how the fuck are they gonna tie this up? You know, how are they gonna bring this to a close with like they got like no time left? And sure enough, it's like, what do you think about Messiah? Oh, you know, fucking this and that. He was cool. You know, he came in, he had some problems there, and this and that. But he was a cool dude. Cut. That that was like the end of the interview was him finishing asking, him finishing answering how he felt about Messiah, and then it just completely cuts off. That's the end of the interview. And then I, again, I, you know, in my um, kind of, you know, commenting or criticizing the thing to the dude who made it, I was like, well, what the fuck was that all about? Oh, well, the batteries ran out in the camera. And, um, yeah, that was the whole interview. But on the DVD, there's going to be a lot more content. So I said, so, like, you don't get the whole thing after you pay for it on on YouTube? No, no, that's the whole interview. There's just going to be more content as far as, I guess, you know. Yeah. So, I don't know. I just thought it was put together like shit. And then, you know, he said, you know, I do my stuff very casually. I'm not a pro. And my definition of a pro, one of my definitions of a pro is if you charge people money for what you're doing. So if you go and you charge something, somebody for a product that you're putting together, you better treat it professionally because people are paying for the product you're putting out. I don't think you get to go, I need $10 for this, I need $11 for this, but I, you know, nothing serious. I didn't take it very seriously. Wait, wait, what? I mean that that's that's asinine. I guarantee you, I will never pay for another thing from DVLH or Luke Hadley, whatever. It, it's it's not fucking happening. I will never pay another single dollar for that. And this is the thing. This is where you wonder why people fucking bootleg and fucking pirate shit and grab fucking torrents. Because when somebody you know puts together this bullshit out there. And they go, oh, well, you know, you, you can rent this, and it'll cost you 10 bucks, but you're only going to have it for fucking 72 hours, and even what you have is going to have fucking kids yelling in the background, and um, it's going to cut off randomly when my batteries died at the end. And, um, you know, I mean, I'm not going to put a lot of work into it because I'm not really a pro, but, you know, don't don't pirate it because that – that would be really bad because you should support things that people put no effort into. You know what I mean? And, and it's not like I'm I'm completely you know supporting torrents and saying hey you know go download this shit. 
but I, I would fucking way rather have borrowed that from somebody or got it some other way, you know, whether it was illegal or not, um, you know, some some kind of way other than paying my ten dollars and then having a guy going, yeah, I don't I don't really take my shit that seriously. Oh, really? That that's fucking beautiful. Imagine if you paid for you know, you know anything. You know, go and, you know, buy something at the store. And then when you take it home and it's shit and you bring it back, they go, yeah, you know, we don't really take our stuff that seriously. We're not really pros. You go, what the fuck are you talking about? This is, this, I just fucking bought this, you fucking retard. You know what I mean? So things like that just annoy me. And um, I honestly think, you know, and hey, man, if I'm being fucking harsh, I'm sorry, but that that type of – uh that's the type of reaction you get when you don't take yourself seriously and also charge people for things. Um, I'm not saying you should give it away for free, but in the same token, if you go to the level of charging for something, you should take it seriously as if you are charging for something. Um, so in, in that, um, in that realm of things, I, I would say that that dude should never do anything in, in the wrestling business. He shouldn't exist as someone who does interviews or puts out any kind of product because if you're not going to take your shit seriously, you shouldn't be doing it. And and that's with pretty much fucking any, anything. I could go right back into the gym tangent and start up on that. These motherfuckers that show up with an iced coffee and the fucking treadmill. You know what I mean? Like, you're not doing, you're not taking the shit seriously. Get the fuck out of here. Go do something else that you're not going to take seriously. Go casually watch your fucking TV because you're wasting everybody's time, but at least in, in that aspect, they're paying instead of charging someone else for a product that they don't they don't technically care about very much. So whatever, they got my uh, $10, and that'll be the last $10 that that dude ever sees from me. That's the way to, to only get business once. So there's that. Now, on to Brett Lauderdale. Um here here's the issue um let me let me start by explaining my personal issue with Brett Lauderdale and where that started okay issue number 1 with Brett Lauderdale cuz there was more than one um well the the first thing was completely petty so let me just touch that real quick uh bet the guy 20 bucks on a fucking eagle game 3 fucking months to pay me he paid me like 10 dollars once uh, next month he didn't have any money, and then the following month he, he gave me the, the final ten in like a five and five singles. It might have been ten fucking singles. So it took him three months to pay a twenty dollar bet. So I mean, this is the type of you know, this is the type of shit he's rolling with. You know, friendly fucking bet, and uh, that was so that was when I was on good terms with Brett. Um, also did an interview with him on on the podcast because I just thought he was a ref. It was you know in a bunch of shit. Um, had done, you know, a bunch of different things, and I thought he was an okay dude. I had no idea. Um, so, uh, fast forward to, I go to have AR Fox on. Now, AR Fox had just, the whole thing had just hit the internet about AR Fox doing gay porn. I was like, that's fucking crazy as fuck. Number one, that, that's crazy as shit. Never saw anything like that before as far as an indie wrestler doing, like, blatant gay porn. And even putting CZW clips, like, prior to it. So I just looked like, whoa, that, that's fucking crazy as shit. Um, 
I made a decision myself that I'm going to give this fucking guy a fair shake because he's an amazing fucking athlete. Amazing fucking athlete. Regardless of anything that he's done, and that, that stands to this day. He's one of the best high flyers in the fucking business. The guy takes risks left and right, fucking puts his body on the line. The guy is a fucking maniac in the ring. He gives fans their money's worth times fucking five easily. So my thing was like, I'm going to do a whole fucking interview like nothing happened. Because I think anybody else who does something like this is going to be all over that. And it's going to turn it into that. And, and that's not what I'm going to do. Now, mind you, the same night that I was doing that, uh, the dudes over there at the Wrestling Soup knew I was going to have him on, but they had already scheduled just fucking going into this, and they pulled clips from the porn, and they were just ripping it apart and just fucking laughing and having a fucking ball with the situation. And honestly, it was a funny-ass podcast that they did on it, and and some of the sound drops that they still use to this day. Um, from that shit, and it it was fucking funny. And even amongst that, saying, "Hey, huh, by the way, J Cat's got him on tonight, right?" Um, well, what happened was, and I had talked to AR Fox online that day, the day of the interview. You know, we still good to go? Yeah, still good to go. All right, good set. Fucking, I go on the air. Fucking. Nobody calls. Nobody fucking calls. I actually see a number pop up for a minute that I think was him. Fucking, before I could even pick it up, fucking gone. I get nothing. So now I'm fucking stammering and staggering all over the place like, oh, I should be calling in any minute. Fucking like a jerk off for like an hour. Oh, it should be, oh, I don't uh, uh, I don't know what to talk about. You know, just sounding like a fucking idiot. Because if anybody knows my podcast, the times I sound like the most fucking unprofessional bumbling retard is when I think someone's calling in and they're not, and I don't know how to fill time because I I never want to get into any long-winded shit, which almost everything I ever do is long-winded on the show. And then I don't know how to fill a small amount of time, which I hope it's only a small amount of time because I'm waiting for the guests to pop up and I'm all geared up to do an interview. So anyway, never happened. Come to find out through talking to some people, Brett Lauderdale called him fucking personally and told him, don't do the show. He's going to fucking grill you about this porn thing, which was not the fucking truth at all. Either way, that fucking dude stopped that shit from happening. So that was fucked up. You know what I mean? And I was just like, you know, fuck that dude. Again, you know, no big deal. I'm not like, yo, I got a blood feud with this guy because the fucking guy, you know, had someone back out of my show. That sucked. You know what I mean? But it, it was just a dickhead move. And, um, you know, I just didn't agree with it, and, you know, it was shitty. But it was what it was. Now, um, just to sidetrack real quick, too, um, because I was a fucking ridiculous alcoholic, I kind of hung on to this and got a little more angry about the whole situation, and I think that amped me up more. So some of my nights, you know, late drinking, I would post a bunch of fucked up shit about AR Fox, um, all stemming from the fact that, you know, he did this this movie. But, um, you know, and I, and I think that was the, um, the anger behind it was the, because, you know, I got beat out of having him on my show via Brett Lauderdale. And I just, I, I went overboard with it and, 
you know, the alcohol always fueled things that you're doing and, you know, you later regret and stuff like that. So um, I, you know, since being sober, I've seen A.R. Fox at a show and I apologize to him and stuff, you know, he thanked me and all that. And, and I do, you know, apologize for, you know, bringing that shit up and like really just like blasting it out on the Internet and stuff. Um, which, I mean, it was already out there. It wasn't something that, you know, I released the info. It was already out there. Like I said, this other podcast fucking completely blew the shit up, you know, and, and was playing clips from it and everything else. Um, and it, it was already all over the message boards and stuff. So I, didn't, I wasn't telling anything that anybody didn't know, but I was emphasizing it, and I was being really shitty. And it was, you know, amongst them having great matches and stuff, and I was just continually pointing it out and not letting it go. And being a dick about it, really. So that's why I apologize or whatever. But um, but that was how you know the whole AR Fox thing went down with him. So now fast forward with Brett, um, and tournament of death a couple of years ago. I went. It was me, my girl, my girl's brother, and this other girl stuff, and um, drinking obviously again drinking and and the drinking goes heavy at fucking tournament of death if you're a drinker. And I was. So what happened there was um, my girl's brother said something to me that I didn't like. I didn't hesitate much. This was after the show. We were over by the car. I didn't hesitate much. I jumped on top of him. Um, You know, no punches were thrown or anything like that. But I I threw him in some kind of arm lock or something. I had his arm locked up. But, um, you know, verbally, the shit was intense. You know, there was a lot of screaming and threatening, you know, and fuck yous and all that stuff. Um. You know, uh, being my girl's brother, obviously, my girl was not going to be on my side about the situation because regardless of what he said to me, I was the aggressor. I mean, I was no victim in the situation because there wasn't a whole lot that he could do to me. So I was, you know, I came off as the dick in the situation, whether it was warranted or whether it was, um, you know, egged on by him. So it just, you know, like I said, it was a situation that shouldn't have happened. But again, fueled by the alcohol. Um, it was something that escalated way quicker and way more than it ever should have. And um, that, that was like the sum of it. And of course, like I said, because it was, you know, her brother, there was a lot of her yelling at me and me yelling back at her, but that was the most of it. That was, that was the entire situation. Uh, the CCW security, including Maven and, and Sabine and all them, came over and they were trying to, you know, mediate the situation and separate everybody and send people home in different cars and that type of thing. And that's, that's, um, you know, what happened there. Meanwhile, while the whole thing's going down and it's super heated, I look off and it's probably about a hundred feet away. Brett Lauderdale is over there in a crowd of people and he's holding his cell phone in the air trying to record something. Now, of course, as I just explained to you, everything that happened is is everything that happened. And um, you could ask anybody that was that close to the situation, mainly my girl, because she'd know better than anybody else, um, what what actually happened. And and that was that was just it. You know what I mean? But he's over there doing that, and I immediately told you know Maven and the guys that were standing there. You better get that motherfucker to put his fucking phone away before I run over there and kill that fucking dude in this field so that was that um that was you know day over whatever I, you know i sent a whole apology letter to you know sabine and and all of them because you know i felt bad for that shit going down on on the property and the whole situation going down the way it did 
So moving on, um, now now I feel like, you know, I'm starting to really just feel bad about the situation and not feel great about going back because of everything that went down. And plus now I got this, this already building anger towards Brett. Fuck, is he getting involved to begin with? Now, I'm not really sure timeline-wise, but it, it soon after becomes um, becomes knowledge to me that Brett Lauderdale is now spinning the rumor and spreading the rumor that I hit my girl at Tournament of Death. And it goes so far, and this is why I know he's friends with Z-Bar and why you would bring Z-Bar's fucking name and not stick Nick Mondo's name up in the shoot interview with Nick Gage, because later on, Z-Bar, who lives in Florida, tells me that I hit my girl at Tournament of Death and that, you know, I'm not a man and this and that and, and all this other fraudulent bullshit. Nick Burke told me this. Z-Bar told me this. And both of them had, you know had this like concrete in their in their hearts that this is what happened and this is what I did and I'm like whoa this is some bullshit and it all comes back to Brett fucking Lauderdale so I've been with my girl for like 15 years we have three kids and I've never fucking hit her so now this little scumbag is going to spread a rumor that fucks with my family now nothing there's no truth behind it so nothing is actually going to come from it, but the fact that he's going to spread rumors about what goes on in my fucking family makes me want that motherfucker's neck. So, I fucking after attending CZW every fucking month, missing only a handful of months for 11 fucking years, stopped going to fucking CZW. Stopped for over a year. Completely fucking stopped. Walked the fuck away because if I saw him, it was curtains. And, you know, at the time, I still hadn't stopped drinking. So, um, you know, and since then, you know, I've turned myself into athletic uh, um, frame of mind and, and stopped the drinking and all that. So I'm a way different person. And I've seen him, and I've just looked him in the face. Uh, he saw me at Tournament of Death uh, last year. You know, he comes walking up big fucking stupid smile on his face and he goes, welcome back! And I just fucking looked at him in his face and didn't say a word. Because he knows he knows how I feel about him. And that's it. You know, I'm a smart enough dude. Um, you know, I put all the bad um, bad decisions behind me as far as, you know, the things that would escalate and the things that like that. I got a family, man. This, this, this dumb shit that goes on with people with their politics and wrestling and stuff. That shit ain't going to suck me. And wrestling is fucking entertainment for me. That's what I do this shit for. But I'm I'm never going to like fucking Brett Lauderdale because he went there. Dude, I'm just a fan. You know what I mean? And he's he's trying to go personal with a motherfucker like me that he doesn't know what I'm capable of. And he's not going to like what I'm capable of. You know, if I if I didn't have consequences, the shit that would happen to him immediately because I don't do a lot of fucking talking. You can ask people who knew me in the past and stuff. I don't need to do a lot of fucking talking, you know? I mean, it's just, it doesn't make sense to me. There's nothing to talk about. So I had to keep myself away from the situation until I made peace with it, at least in my mind, to say, okay, moving forward from here, regardless if I see him, I don't see him, whatever, it is what it is. 
fucking bury that shit in your own mind. You know what I mean? So that that's how it is with me. I don't like the motherfucker, all right? So that that's where it goes with me, with Brett fucking Lauderdale, all right? So just just take that. Just take that in mind. Listen to this first clip from Jesus Shoot interview that he um that he put out. Listen to this first clip, and uh, I'll talk some more after this. Right, and and uh, I didn't notice, but he had left his phone in my car. Right, so we already knew Brett was a shady dude. If it was anybody else other than Brett, I wouldn't <laughs> have did this. I went through his phone. Right, so um, I see all these texts. And all this stuff, uh, him burying, like, it was text in there where, like, he was burying me, he was burying DJ, he was burying Drake, he was burying Sammy. For what reasons? Like, just, like, little shit, because you know how, like, on the indies, people talk shit about each other. Yeah. And a lot of them, a lot of people talk shit, and then when they see the person they're talking shit about, they act like they're their best friend. Mm -hmm. And then there's others, like me, I'll say stuff about you. And, I, and it's stuff that I can say to you or stuff I've said to you. Like all the stuff that, every, everything I said about DJ and everybody else, DJ, all them, that's stuff that I say to them. You know what I mean? So um, I was just letting people know, like, yo, like, yeah, he was saying all this, saying all that. So like, long story short, he tried to lie and make it seem like I stole his money and I didn't try to come bail him out. Like, I kept all of those, like, emails and all of that. I kept all of that shit. Or whatever. Was there any reason they didn't let you bail him out? I can't remember what it was. I don't remember, but I just know they wouldn't let me. So then, um, like, the Germany thing was a month after that. Because, like, that happened in... Uh, that would have been, like, September that would have happened or something. No, nah, it was in... I, can't remember, I just know the Germany thing was after that because um, the day after the Force One show was when we did that CZW show in Massachusetts. Remember oh, that? okay, yeah. And it, that this, this was around when that tag tournament thing was going on. Remember yeah. that? All right, so um, Germany was after that. So then, like, when we went to Germany, I was already just looking for a reason to hit Brett or whatever because I, I was hating I hated his guts at the time. So going back, we in that we in that um, restaurant, and they're talking about CZW booking. I don't remember what he's saying in detail, but it's Brett talking. So whatever he was saying, I, I was getting pissed off more and more. So um, I think I was sitting here. I think uh, I think Adam Cole was here and Brett was here, and Devin was here and Greg was here. However, it was set up, or whatever. So um, Brett talking and I'm and I'm going back and forth with him because he's saying something about booking and I'm disputing it or whatever. So he's saying shit trying to piss me off. He knew what he was doing. He's saying shit and it's getting me pissed off more and more pissed off. So. I just want to hit him, so like I'm just sitting there and I'm glancing at Greg, and Greg is just trying to calm me down, and and then um, I'm just looking, I'm just looking, and I'm like man, fuck this. So I just <laughs> went up, and I guess I guess like whoever was sitting next to me, whether it was Devin here or whether it was um, Adam Cole, like Greg sort of saw it coming, I guess, because when I jumped up, whoever was sitting next to me went like this, <laughs> so I could swing, and I'm left-handed, so. I went to swing at Brett. I think I hit him, and then I hit. I think I hit him three times, right? And then after the third, Devin and Greg grabbed me, right? And so I was, they let you get the shots in before they know, decided to everybody interject. Want, yeah, everybody, everybody wanted yeah. Brett to get hit, right? So and I, I remember being pissed. I was more pissed off that I didn't get, that I didn't like 
put him to sleep. Break his I, nose. Yeah, I was pissed off that I didn't get the shots in that I wanted, right? All right. So you see the trend here? You see the trend where it's not just me? It's not just like a little thing that I had with him. It's not him just starting shit with me. This is a continued thing that's going on with Brett Lauderdale. Now, to preface what, what this is even coming up because of, um, I'll touch on it a little bit, and then we'll go we'll go back into um, what he's was saying. And because Brett Lauderdale is a dude who befriended Nick Gage, um, especially during Nick's worst times. You know, Nick was having a lot of problems with substances, which he you know he admitted on that little shoot interview thing. He had problems with pills. Um, Brett did a lot of hanging out with him at the time, and um, you know, whatever the case was. When Nick Gage went into prison, a lot of word traveled about because Brett Lauderdale has always been one of those dudes that goes anonymously on the message board and fucking runs his mouth about shit that he found out backstage and, and talks about a bunch of inside stuff and in-the-know stuff that he's not supposed to be telling every fucking buddy all the fucking things and shit like this. So word had traveled around and not on the message boards or whatever, word had traveled around. So again, this is only hearsay. This is only, um, you know, word of mouth. Allegedly, Brett Lauderdale was running around telling people, allegedly, that when after Nick robbed the bank, he went to AC with Nick and was gambling and this and this, and he was talking it up like it was a big cool dude story to have. It's like, yeah, we went to AC with the money and this and this, and yeah. So he was super cool, dude, because now he was involved in shit, right? So now I don't know what the fuck did or didn't happen because I don't know Nick like that. You know what I mean? Like I don't, I don't know what he was doing, what he was thinking, what his, his actual you know issues were, what his, his demons were. I didn't know where he went afterwards. You know, it was obvious it was out on the news and everything that he was on the run. They were looking for him, this and this. Um, I had actually even been talking to Justice Payne at the time because I had just got him on the interview when the shit happened, and uh, Payne even hit me up saying, dude, like, it's fucking Christmas time, I got family over, and fucking, you know, they're they're fucking running and searching my house for my brother, this shit is fucked up, man, you know, and I'm giving them, like, best wishes and, you know, all that, Um so amongst that time to hear that, you know, oh, fucking Brett's telling people that, you know, he went to AC with Nick after the thing. Okay, that was just like, well, that's that's a dickhead thing to run around and fucking brag about. Again, I didn't hear it directly from him. It's just word traveling around. But how the fuck would anybody know that Nick went to AC, right? So I had no fucking knowledge other than hearing that shit, right? And I never heard it on the news. I never heard it. I never even saw that like posted really up, like on the message board or anything like that. That was the way I heard it. That Brett was telling people that shit. So sure enough, go into this fucking uh, this shoot interview, and they're talking about the bank thing. And after the bank, and Brett, without fucking saying, "Hey, what did you do next?" goes, "So how was AC?" And and he you know he just goes into it like, "Yeah, man, it was fucking cool. It was great." And he's like, yeah, did you win any money? He's like, yeah, yeah, a little, you know, a little bit. So I'm just like, hmm. Well, that's that's just that's a strange thing to come up in this fucking interview. You know, you don't know shit. So Brett is is a type of dude 
to know and tell a bunch of fucking shit. That's that's the type of fucking dude he is. So that's that's him going into fucking prison. That that's when Gage goes into prison. That's that's the dude that's running around. That type of Brett. Again, I can't say for sure that any of this was legitimately going on, but how you connect the dots and figure out, you hear that this dude's saying that years later, the same shit the dude is saying is coming right back around. So I'm taking it as, as that type of thing is true. And um, what do you call it? So all that's going on. Um, sometime during Gage being in jail, too, um, Rock Higgins, rest in peace, had got into it with Brett because there was some kind of shit going on where Brett was being fucking accused of stealing money. And then there was, you know, people taking sides of who they believed on this situation because money was was supposed to go to Gage, and then all of a sudden there wasn't the money and and that type of shit. So there was a whole thing going on there, another fucking Brett Lauderdale situation. So now going going from there, this, this was Brett the whole time in. So he obviously had a connection with Gage beforehand. He kept in contact with him. He was the main go-between. He was running Gage's Facebook page, all this type of shit. Now that Gage is out, turns out Brett's pretty much taking his fucking bookings. Everything's got to go through Brett. He's still running his fucking social media and all this shit. So let's go into the second part that uh, that G says, and then we'll, we'll – uh, you know, finish up this whole uh, spiel. This is a little bit longer. This is about five minutes. Um, like we just walking back to the hotel, and um, I'm just like, man, I'm like, man. So I'm, I start there. I'm like, man, why did I, why did I even let let him get me to that point? You know what I'm saying? Why did I hit him? Why did I hit him? I'm all like, man, the fuck. So they just kind of calm me down, and then for whatever reason, I'm like, no, I should just apologize to him. I should just apologize. You know what I'm saying? He's a harmless dude. He a bitch ass dude. Like, you know what I mean? So then, um, then Greg and Greg and Cole, they all like, dude, you know what? Just be the bigger person and apologize. I'm like, all right. And then um we get back to the hotel eventually. So then uh I knock on I knock on Brett's door. I was like, yo. Uh I said to Greg and, and Cole, I'm like, yo, I want y'all to be right here, cause if something else happened, I'm not gonna stop hitting them if something happens. So I knock on the door. He comes to the door and shit. And then, like, um, I tell him, I'm like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? I shouldn't have hit you. I was wrong for hitting you. And I said, I apologize to him. This motherfucker, man, he was like, uh, so, did, so do you really mean it? Or did, they put, or did they put you up to that? So I look at Greg, and Greg was just like, nah, I wanted to hit him again. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, yeah, I meant it. He's like, okay, whatever. And I think he just shut the door. I was like, man, I just want to kill this dude now. You know what I'm saying? I hit the dude. So any more incidents with him afterwards? Nah, but I remember um, Sammy beat his ass at a Force One show one time. What was that over? Um, it was, we had a... Uh, this is just the uh, Brett Lauderdale getting his ass kicked yeah. segment. Oh, and going back to the Germany thing, because of that, because of that happened, I remember, I remember being told that like, um, like me and Devin was wrestling in the, on the Germany show, right? So it was already set up that me and Devin was going to have time limit draw. So I remember um, Brett being told that Brett went to DJ and went to the, um, Felix or whoever, saying that, um, yeah, you know, you should put Devin Moore up. You know, geez, he's, he's, he's a liability. He's a problem. I don't know why he's out here or whatever and all that, trying to bury me and shit, man. So then um, getting to the thing with uh, Sammy and Brett, um, 
We was at Force One show, and I remember the match was, uh, it was like six of us in the match or whatever. I don't know. But you know how that shows, like, everything is hectic? Yeah. Like, Force One, Sammy was one of the ones that was running the show. So not only is he wrestling, he got a... He's got other responsibilities. Yeah, exactly. So um, I think it had something to do with money. And Brett just kept um, Brett just kept running his mouth. And I think I think the first Samuel was like, all right, man, I'll take care of you. Just relax, relax. And Brett being Brett, he just kept... He just kept every five minutes, every five minutes and shit up in his face. And I think, I think Sammy said something like, yo, dude, just leave me alone right now or whatever. Brett just kept talking. And then Sammy hit him a couple times. And then, you know what I'm saying, the <laughs> usual thing, dude got hit a couple times and then everybody swarm in to break it up. But, yeah, like, Brett was always that way, man. He would, like, like he'll, uh, he'll just start stabbing you. He'll how, start stabbing you. How did he last so long in this company? Because he had another incident with Rory. Mondo, where Rory beat him up. Yeah, I wasn't there. I, was I, I mean, I was there, but I was uh, busy out calling matches. But, like, how, how does he last so long being such a toxic, like, contributing to a because toxic environment? Because what Brett likes to do, and the thing about Brett, like, and I'll say this, I like him as a referee. I don't respect him as a man. He's a shitty person. He should not be around at all. Why? What does he, what does this he do is what this, this is what Brett does. All right, so he got into CZW because um, at the time... Like, uh, Niles was with with, uh, Noel. Noel. So um, Brett was a fan in the crowd. So Brett's um, talking his shit, talking his shit as a fan. Mm -hmm. Then he called Noel a rat or whatever. I mean, the fuck? I mean, you in character, you got to deal with that. But um, I think Niles got pissed off. Long story short, Niles headbutted him. And I think Zandy got pissed off. And then he made made Niles apologize to him. Next thing you know, Brett weaseled his way into CZW. So then what Brett likes to do is he'll be friendly to people, right? And then he'll try to get as much dirt. That's how I think. He tries to get dirt. He tries to get dirt. He tries to get dirt. tries to get dirt. So then when he fucks up and people want to get rid of him, then he'll just be the one that'll be like, yeah, how about if I tell such and such? You know what I'm saying? He's that type. He's that type of dude that tries to get dirt on people so that so that um he'll still have an end. And I'm like, come on, man. That's bullshit, man. Yeah. Just call his bluff. Get, get rid of him. Fuck him. You know what I mean? Still, it's amazing. Like, I don't have a problem with him directly, but like six years he lasted in CCW without anyone dumping him, especially. And now he tries to sneak into events and he this, calls this, Maven by racial names. This, this, this is the thing, man. Like, we supposed to be grown-ass men. Yeah, most of it. Like, that's child stuff. <laughs> yep. Like, you know what I mean? Like, what's the point? There's no point in doing none of that. So there you go. So now, okay, let's do the math here now. He's been hit by G's. Sammy Callahan, um, Rory Mondo, um, um, also um, Pinky Sanchez has beat the shit out of him before. Um, he, when it came down to it, too, um, for the past at least six months to a year, something like that, um, Brett Lauderdale has been banned from CZW. He's not allowed in the building. He's not allowed at shows. So he went from being a ref to being banned from a building where he's not even allowed, not allowed to attend, right? So, um, Gage gets out, and immediately, now, everybody, come on, man. Anybody that knows anything about CCW and Nick Gage, where the fuck is his home? If Nick Gage was going to get out of jail and prison, and, and, and you were going to hear 
where do you think Nick Gage is going to work? Do you think he's going to work here? Do you think he's going to work there? Do you think he's going to, you know, work for Ian? Do you think he's going to work for um, Jersey Offro? Do you think, he'll, you know, he'll make it out for this company? Do you think he make it out of this company? What's the one fucking company that you think there would be no question, there would be no reason to question would he work there again? That would be fucking CZW. And I will tell you straight up, that was the hardest fucking company. That, that was the hardest time any company had getting him to fucking come back there was fucking CZW. Now, I'm not exposing anybody for fucking saying anything because, believe me, this was well circulated. There was fucking five, six different people that I heard it from, and the shit's all over the place, and everybody fucking knows, but the people who don't know need to fucking know. And I give DJ Hyde and fucking Maven Bentley and those fucking guys 100% fucking credit for what they had to deal with with that little scumbag leading up to Nick Gage coming back to CZW because they had to deal with hell from that little motherfucker negotiating his way into the situation just for Nick Gage to come back. And you know damn well if Gage didn't walk into that building that night, they'd call DJ a dickhead, they'd say DJ fucked up, how could DJ not fuck Nick Gage after everything Nick Gage did with CZW, how could DJ not do this, how could DJ not do that, and it ain't shit to do with DJ, it's fucking Lauderdale. Lauderdale had to be allowed in that building, or Nick Gage was not going to fucking show up. That's the fucking truth, and that's some bullshit right there. So everybody out there who's huge fucking Nick Gage fans, when you see that little fucking rodent run around with him at shows, make sure you pay him the fucking proper respect, man, because that little motherfucker is fucking things up for a lot of people out there. He's making it harder on fucking promoters, especially the home of fucking Fed that Nick Gage came from is fucking CZW, making it real hard on them to do what the fuck they're trying to do for the fans. They're trying to bring the fans what they deserve and what they want and their guy, the fucking Stone Cold Steve Austin of CZW, and they got to fucking, fucking walk on eggshells and fucking swim upstream and shit because of one little motherfucker and his name ain't Nick Gage. It's fucking bullshit. It's absolute bullshit. So that's what the fuck's been having to, you know, you look at fucking JCW. Was fucking Brett Lauderdale reffing over there before? Gage comes back. Guess who's fucking reffing in JCW? You you fucking, you look at what's going on. It's it's absolute garbage. And this is, this is the type of bullshit. And I'll tell you right now, the reason why I don't have Nick Gage on my show is because of fucking Brett Lauderdale. I saw Nick Gage in person. At fucking CZW. Bro, when could you do the podcast? Oh, dude. Yo, hit me up on Facebook. Run by Rhett Lauderdale. Hit me up on Facebook. I'll hop right on there. No fucking problem, dude. Hit me right up. Yep, do it. Nope. Two fucking messages I've sent since I've seen them. Zero response. You can see when it's red, and there's zero fucking response. You know what I mean? I'm going to see him on May 8th. I'll ask him again. See what goes on then. It, I mean, it's, it's real simple. If a dude just like, dude, I don't want to do the podcast, it is what it is. That's fine. I, I completely understand that. Nobody's obligated to do shit for me because, fuck, man, I, you know, it's a it's a free podcast out there. You know, there's there's no money being exchanged. Yeah, it, you know, it's, it's taking someone's time up to be on the podcast. So I'm always very appreciative. And if you don't want to do it, you don't want to do it. Um which I'll also, um, you know, uh, in a minute I'll talk about another guy who didn't want to do it, but also, you know, hooked up. But um, 
you know, so I don't, I don't have an issue with that. You know, if he didn't want to do it, he would have told me he didn't want to do it. Gage is not a dude that's going to lie to people. If he says he'll do something, he'll do something. I, I, I truly believe that Nick Gage is not scared to fucking tell me no. I'm pretty sure he would tell me, fucking no, I don't want to do it. And then that would be the end of it. I go, all right, man, that sucks, but all right, you know. Because, um, I mean, I, I was doing the podcast before he went to fucking prison, and I asked him then, and he didn't have a fucking cell phone. And, and, dude, when, you know, when could you do this? Cause I used to talk to him every show. I, I, went to, I showed up at one of the Force One shows. You know, kind of unexpected. Showed up. I'm in the crowd. Fucking Gage walks out doing his entrance and immediately stops and goes, oh, shit, J-Cat. Fucking, you know, high five type shit. He knew who the fuck I was. He always knew who the fuck I was. I was always super cool with Gage. There was always a good line of communication with him. There was never a single problem in the world with him. So I know for sure I don't have a personal issue with Gage, and the only way that he could ever develop a personal issue with me would be stemming from that little fucking rodent. So that much I fucking know. Now, um, like I said, I'll ask him again on the 8th is what it is. Um, I'll see him on the 8th and the 9th because – JCW's on a Friday where he's wrestling Chris Dickinson. And on Saturday, uh, I don't know who he's wrestling, um, but uh, Nick Gage, fucking Proving Grounds, I think it's called. Um, so, yeah, um, you know, that is what it is. And one more thing about um, Brett Lauderdale. Um, and, and just another example to show you the type of motherfucker he is. Um, everybody knows Whackbacker Hogan. Good dude, loyal fan, one of the most uh, loyal indie fans. I mean, back ECW, you can look at pretty much every ECW tape and you'll see fucking Whackpacker Hogan. This dude is one of the most loyal fans that you're going to ever see. And a nice dude, never did anything to anybody, fucking brings muffins to the shows. You know, he's he's a good fucking dude. So, Whackpacker Hogan. Um, uh, Brett probably around the time of CZW, maybe a little after CZW. So this is, you know, uh, April 11th. What was that? April 11th, something like that. Um, or, no, it was, I don't know. Something like that. Um, so he asks Hogan, do you want to go to Masters of Pain? Do you want to roll, you know, with me engaged to Masters of Pain and shit? You can hop in the car with us and shit and go. Hogan gets super pumped. Yeah, yeah, fuck yeah, I'm going, yeah, I'm going to fucking Nick Gage. Fucking uh, Masters of Pain. You know, he's talking about, he's doing his, you know, Whackpacker Hogan talk shows and all of that stuff. And, you know, he's hyped up. Rightfully so, right? So he waits, and fucking On Point show goes down this past Saturday. Brett Lauderdale goes and tells him, oh, I'm going to need you, you to drive your truck. I'm going to need you to drive us to fucking West Virginia. You know what I mean? This is the type of snake motherfucker he is. You know, you go from, like, imagine, like, you know, um, offering somebody, hey, man, you know, let me take you out to dinner and shit. Next thing you know, you're like, oh, can you drive and pay for it? Because, like, I'm, you know what I mean? I didn't realize that, you know, I I didn't have no money and shit. Like, wait, you offered to take me out to this joint? you like, you know, this, this fucking, what kind of shit is that? I thought you were going to. Oh, no, 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 you just got to drive and pay for it and stuff. But, yeah, like, it's it's going to be great. I mean, it's just some snake fucking dirtbag bullshit. But this is what it is, and the stories never end. Again, I'm not going to expose a bunch of fucking people or anything like that. 
but I've heard from countless, countless fucking wrestlers that fucking despise this fucker, don't want to see him, don't want him anywhere near the fucking ring, anywhere near backstage, anywhere near anywhere. You know what I mean? And it's not it's not people are picking on Brett. Oh, you know, why would everybody treat him like shit? He's earned every fucking bit of it. And this is this is what the fuck that dude is all about. So I just I just really wanted to put everything out there with this fucking dude because I, I've had it. Like I said, I had my personal interaction with him. I've chosen to take the higher road and not act on my anger. But in the same token, there's a lot of shit going on. If you heard towards the end of that thing, too, that, um, you know, Jake Black, when he was doing the um, the G's interview, he said, you know, he calls Maven racial names and shit. You know what I mean? So this is the type of scumbag he is. This this is what he is. So, yeah, man, take it at, at fucking face value and, um, like I said, pay him the uh, the proper uh, compliments when you see him if, if, if that's uh, – you know, if that's the way he's operating and it's going to affect your entertainment, make sure, you know, he fucking knows about it. Don't let him walk around and talk to you like he's your fucking buddy. Tell him to fuck himself and, and keep him moving. You know what I mean? Because the least comfortable he is in all these buildings, maybe he won't want to fucking be there so much. I mean, that's, that's the only thing you could do. I'm not saying for anybody to go fuck his ass up. I mean, that's on you. That's not something I'm asking anybody to do, though. Um, I'm just telling you know. Don't don't even smile in this fucking direction. Fuck that dude, because that's you know that that's one more warm, friendly fucking situation that he's in. I've also heard that despite the fact that he's worked with Rob Feinstein quite a fucking bit, that Rob Feinstein's told people that he's a fucking scumbag. He's one of the worst people he's ever met, and he's met a lot of fucking bad people in wrestling, and he'll never work with them again. So I don't know, you know, the truth behind that, if he's never going to work with them again or not, but it seems like he's burning every fucking relationship he's ever been in. So, you know, take it for what it's worth. Um, anyway, on to a positive note. Um, as I mentioned, um, Jonathan Gresham didn't want to do the show. He um, decided, you know, he's really trying to stay away from doing podcasts. Um which, again, I understand. I have nothing against anybody who doesn't want to do the podcast. It's fine. But he told me, hey, send me questions, and I'll, you know, I'll write your answers to them and send them back. Like, no problem and shit. More or less, like, he's willing to do kind of interview in that form, you know? So, um, sure enough, I sent him ten questions. He fucking sent me back a nice, you know, detailed answers. And um, you can go to the uh, Yakuza Kick Radio Facebook page. Click like on that. Like the page, man. Get my numbers up for me. I'm trying to make it more interactive, and um, I'm going to try to add more content like that. And that's exclusively where the, um, you know, 10 questions with Jonathan Gresham is. So um, go check that out. I thought it was pretty interesting, especially, you know, what he was saying about the um, the whole octopus gimmick because I was wondering how that came about and everything. And I thought his answer was pretty awesome. So, um, yeah, I'll just leave that as a teaser. You know, go check that out over there because um, he's a great dude, man, and one of the most talented guys in wrestling. Um, he said, uh, you know, sorry you have to take this down such a super negative route towards the end of the show, but it is, you know, it is how it is. And uh, I, I just I feel very strongly on that situation. And, uh, you know, people should be aware of that shit. I mean, most of that shit is, is 
I mean, it's, it's all out there for real. I mean, there's, there's nothing about that that I expose other than maybe my situation that, you know, people didn't know, but, um, and I've said my situation on the air before. So it's, again, it's been, it's all been said in, in one form or another on media, whether it be social media, message boards, uh, shoot interviews, like all the stuff G said is right out there on the shoot interview. Um, so, I just I just wanted to try to piece it all together so people could look at his uh you know his his resume and the type of shit he's putting out there and the type of person he is because um it, it's some bullshit it really is and um again I mean if you um you know you're happy with fucking seeing Gage and CZW again fucking thank DJ you know and I, you're not gonna hear me say that that often so fucking thank DJ for the fucking shit he's going through and um, doing everything he can and going above and beyond to get that shit done because, you know, without a lot of fucking patience and fucking phone calls and bullshit, that shit wouldn't have happened. It really wouldn't have. It would have been the one company he didn't come back to, ironically, when he is fucking Mr. CZW. So it's a fucking shame, but... um, So, yeah. Um, Check out... um, My dude's over there at the Sports Den. They're doing their fucking thing tonight. Uh, they got a bunch to talk about, man. The NFL schedules were just released. We play Minnesota Vikings Monday late night football, 10-20. So, uh, yeah, man, the opening week of football, we're already talking about it in September. We haven't even had summer yet. I don't give a shit. Um, so, yeah, uh, Monday night football, but, like, the second game. So, 10-20. We play Minnesota. I'm already hyped. Week two, we play Pittsburgh. I'm not going to go through the whole schedule. I could, though. Um, Arizona next with fucking Darnell Dockett seeing his old team again. All right, I guess so. Um, so, yeah, check out the sports then. They got a lot to talk about over there, doing their fucking thing, back the way they should be. They were on hiatus for a while, but they've been back a couple weeks now, and those are my dudes. Um, Andrew Carluck of Stern Nation. Hasn't been doing Stern Nation for a while. Um, he occasionally does false count radio, which is a wrestling show. And he also occasionally does, um, what's called the Gonzo Shitcock show. Um, <laughs> isn't that alluring? Um, so he, what it is, is, uh, Gonzo Shitcock is a guy who is known for calling into the Howard Stern show and, um, you know, getting involved with Eric, the actor who has passed. He's um, got involved in a bunch of different things as far as the Howard Stern shows in, in, involved. Um, he's called into the Artie Quitter podcast and uh, portrayed some characters. And, um, you know, he's he's made himself known in the Stern universe for sure. Well, he's got a show with Andrew Carluck and, uh, you know, a bunch of stuff going on that they're going to be doing. Another show this week. Like I said, check out the Stern Nation podcast uh Facebook page for all the details on when that's going to go down, but Andrew's a great dude, so you're going to want to check him out and, you know, listen to what he's doing. Um, and I think that's about it. Um, you know, other, other podcasts I do like and enjoy listening to, obviously, the Artie Quitter podcast. That's my dude. It's a pay podcast, but, you know, what can you do? Fucking uh, Bill Burr's Monday morning podcast. He's now doing, like, a Monday and Thursday thing. Um that's a good one. Um, Adam Carolla podcast. I'm still, you know, a huge fucking fan of his. And I obviously listen to the, the Stern show on a regular basis. So uh, these are all kind of, you know, what I listen to for the most part. I 
couple other things here and there. Um, I don't know. Can't think of anything else offhand. But um, I'm sure I'll think of lots more to talk about. I'm definitely going to start up that new show within the next seven days. So hopefully by the time I do another Yakuza, you will have heard the first, uh, I think I'm going to call it like Through the Eyes of a Tiger or some shit like this. Um, My positivity, uh, motivational side, small podcast deal. So hopefully you'll hear the first incarnation of that, and it'll be something I can put out some positivity, you know, maybe motivate a couple people, you know, whatever. Maybe, you know, only occupate half hour. I occupate, Jesus Christ, and I'm going to do another podcast. Um, I only occupy a half hour, 40 minutes of your time. and go, this fucking asshole with more podcasts. Whatever the case is. But, um... I'll check you motherfuckers out next week and uh, before that with some all uh, other shit. All right? So uh, I'll talk to you then. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.